Welcome to this special Conversations Shelter in Place episode of the Orbital Perspective Podcast. Where we dolly zoom out to a perspective where upcoming megatrends become visible. Every day, it is more and more apparent that we are in the midst of the great transition. Everything is changing rapidly. The fundamentals of business, government, and society are being rewritten almost on a daily basis. We are truly living during a time where the riskiest course of action is to stay the course. The most hazardous path is to take the tried and true. We are also living during a time where it is becoming more and more apparent that the status quo is not working. At least it's not working for everyone. And until the status quo is working for everyone, we will do nothing more than slap temporary band-aids on our problems and our challenges. We are presently dealing with crisis after crisis. But these crises can serve as a wake-up call. They can be our call to action to incorporate the changes necessary to make us all more resilient and better equipped to deal with the future crises that will undoubtedly come our way. The Orbital Perspective is all about transcending the divisive walls that separate us and embracing the awe and wonder of our shared humanity. What all the guests on the Orbital Perspective podcast have in common is they are all able to see things from a slightly different perspective. And when we look at issues from different perspectives, we see things in stereoscopic vision. Multiple perspectives allow us to see the depth of a situation below the two-dimensional us-versus-them surface. The other thing all our guests have in common is they are all proof that you don't have to be in orbit to have the orbital perspective. Now, this is not an interview, and it's also not just a conversation between two friends. It's a conversation amongst all of us. If you're listening live, please post your questions and your comments so that we can bring you into the conversation. And if you're listening to the recorded conversation, still please join in with your comments and questions and be a part of this evolving community. Thank you for being here and being a part of this conversation from the Orbital Perspective. T-minus 17 seconds and counting. 15, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, go for main engine start, main engine start, 2, one, booster ignition, and liftoff of the Space Shuttle Discovery, returning to the space station, paving the way for future missions beyond. Hey, everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome to another conversation sheltered in place. I'm really excited about this week's uh, fellow Conversa, and uh, we'll talk about we'll talk about him in a second. Uh, but you know what? What I wanted to say is, you know, we started out this this program uh, of conversation and shelter in place to help us navigate the COVID nineteen crisis. Not only navigate it, but get through it stronger and uh, more unified than ever. Uh, but we're we're changing the focus a little bit. Um, and we're still navigating a crisis, but we're navigating the crisis that is known as 2020. Uh, so we've got uh, we've got a lot of things that we're dealing with right now so far this year. And um, 
you know, there's talk of, of all these things that could happen, you know, talk of a great depression and all, all this kind of stuff. But uh, I think what's pretty clear is that we are in the, we are in the midst of a great transition. We are transitioning from one state to another. And it's really important that we have these conversations so that we can make sure that the state we transition to is a state that, that we'd want to be a part of. And so uh, I hope this message finds everybody healthy and well and dealing uh, with everything that uh, we're, we're all having to deal with. And uh, like I said, I'm really excited to uh, welcome our fellow converser this week, uh, Mike Anderson, Michael President Anderson. Uh, he is an amazing young man that I got to meet uh, not long ago at the UN and uh, his bio is pretty spectacular. So I'll uh, share that with you now. Michael President Anderson is CEO of MPAC Solutions. He's a 2008 Harvard graduate with a degree in government and has been awarded Harvard's Hero of the Year for his community work. After graduation, he worked at Credit Suisse Investment Banking, where he won the Douglas L. Paul Award for his commitment to excellence as a minority in finance and a mentor to other excep exceptional black professionals. Anderson created the first diversified financial services platform centered around black culture. Different than typical finance executives, Anderson endured a 10-year career as a professional hip-hop artist and social activist. In addition to appearing at illustrious forums, including the Grammys and MTV VMAs, Anderson became known as hip-hop's financier, aka president. As a financially savvy, award-winning hip-hop artist and filmmaker, he has inspired a nation of hip-hop entrepreneurs on MTV and mentored some of the leading minority entrepreneurs in the world. Through touring the world as an artist and filmmaker with deep connections on Wall Street, he built a business infrastructure for people of color and creative entrepreneurs lacking access to funding. Anderson emerged as an elite millennial voice representing diverse communities. Last year, he won New Jersey's Tech Council Award for creating minority venture capital pipelines. And Nokia, Lab, Nokia Bell Labs also honored him as a leading artist on the fringe of creativity in entertainment and technology, utilizing culture and science to influence and propel successful businesses. Anderson launched Impact Holdings LLC to offer business development services and has assisted many minority entrepreneurs to build billion dollar businesses and become leaders of industry. He designed Impact's virtual business center for social impact and minority businesses, connecting disadvantaged entrepreneurs with public, private and philanthropic contracts and capital. Anderson is also the lead minister of C4 Global Community that is centered upon his mantra, culture times capital equals community change. The church launched in Charlotte when Anderson chaired community affairs for the NAACP. And Anderson was asked to chair the Global Black Student Orientation, which became a leading organizing vehicle for black youth in elections and activist causes and focused on developing the next generation of leaders. Anderson has spoken and appeared at multiple venues, including South by Southwest, Harvard, Columbia, Princeton, and Caltech universities. Anderson lives in Newark, New Jersey, where he is developing New Jersey's premier urban real estate project, Impact Tower and Brick City Innovation District. Uh, but before we bring Prez uh, on board, I wanna share with you uh, just an excerpt from, from one of his music videos uh, called American Legend, and we'll play that now. I think that the most important thing to remember is that most endeavors that are truly worth something will often have a very high failure rate associated with it. 
I think the trick is to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and keep going. Miles High International. Five years old. I see my daddy get killed on the west. Shoot out in North. I got arrested. Twelve years old. Mama got sick from infection. Pray every day. God give me vision that I'll be a legend. If I die for my squad, then you die for my squad. Cause we living forever. Look at the shit that I came from. How did the money not change it? I had plus got rearranged them. Most of these rappers is faking. I do not take no vacations. Reelected like I'm Reagan. Alright. So sorry we had to cut that short, but uh we want everybody to welcome uh president. Hey Prez, how's it going? Hey, what a blessing, what a what a honor. It's just uh the synchronicity and, and the time and then just this is a blessing to be here on Juneteenth and uh appreciate you and what you're doing on this platform, all those team guests. And um I also want to say just thankful for the ancestors and everybody that paved the way that we have this opportunity for, for collaboration and truly uh bring out the essence of what America really should be. Yeah, and one one thing that I also want to mention that wasn't part of uh, your bio is uh, Sunday is your first Father's Day. Thank you. Brand new father, uh, Grace Lynn Trinity Michelle, born 4.5 months ago. <laughs> exactly. February 1st, February 1st, 2020. Uh, she came into the, she landed, so to speak. And um, yeah, I mean, you're a father too, so you, so you know, and uh you know how much of a blessing and responsibility it is to to create a legacy, and and I'm 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 just extremely humbled and grateful to to follow this, to be a father, to be a dad, to be an American, to be a free black man, and 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 really bringing out the best in what you know what our world can be—a global citizen, humanitarian—and and, and uh, man, I can't express how just humbled I am achieving this escape velocity with you. <laughs> Made it to orbit. All right. So a lot, a lot of folks, a lot of folks know you, but a lot of folks uh, may not know you and you have an incredible story. Can you give us a, a, a you know, a, a version you feel comfortable with sharing of, of your story and how you. Oh, how you yeah, it's so funny because even in that first minute of that song and that video, you saw just like who I am, what I'm about. And, you know, and I told you when I first learned five years old, I see my daddy get killed on the Western. I was just talking about my origin story. So, uh, funny enough, I was, um, I'm a Jersey guy and we're in Newark and I grew up, uh, pretty much around this community. However, I was born in, uh, in Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, the home of Thomas Jefferson and, um, in Albemarle County University of Virginia. And, uh, unfortunately it's, it's probably gotten more famous the last couple of years for, uh, for the, for the incident, you know, in, in, in a, in a, in a, in a terrorist situation that happened a couple years ago, but that's the homeland VA. And then on my dad, my mom's side, they're from, uh, they're from Georgia, South Georgia, and East Georgia around the coast. Actually, um, it's crazy because I, I, I kind of, I spent some summers growing up where, uh, where Ahmaud Arbery got killed, mm -hmm. um, in, in, in Brunswick, Georgia. So to be honest with you, Ron, my American experience, 
I don't I don't even like to say it starts with me. You know, I don't I don't I don't all the accomplishments and everything I've done. I'm grateful. But, you know, my story really starts with other people just enduring and, and surviving um, in, yeah. in American South and making their way to New Jersey and cities like no, you know, that really developed uh, in the in the Great Migration and um, surrounding communities. And uh, yes, I'm grateful that I work really hard uh, in, in Jersey, especially to uh, to be a leader. Man, I, I just want to make my community proud to just be 100 percent honest with you. Right. Like when I was 14 years old, I can remember 14 years old. For, uh, what was it what was it 2000? So this had to be like 18, 19 years ago in the summer. Pretty much this week when I came out of 10th grade, I got a job as a community organizer with the NACP, the largest civil rights organization, the oldest civil rights organization in America, a couple blocks away on Commerce Street in Oak. And I can remember for me, like I was making $250 a week. So that's probably not life changing money. Uh, but when you're a kid and somebody tells you that they're going to pay you to organize your community and go basically meet people and learn about American history, black history and and just and just converse and, and, and give your people uh, voting empowerment rights and organize a community. It was like a dream come true. So, like I said, um, my story is really just testament of piggybacking off of great people, great organizations um, and, and, and hardworking people like, you know, you know, those that came before me. My mom was a nurse. Um, at the hospital right over here in uh, in downtown in uh, in Newark, the uh, the university hospital. So I always like watched her grew up organizing and and just serving, 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 um, and coming from that type of servant um, ethos. I really had a desire to to serve my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I tell you, like, I think I think what happens or like what ha- happened a lot of the time is that if you just do really well in school, and let's say somebody like me, I end up going to going to Harvard, you get exposed to things you you, you can only dream of. Uh, so obviously, any kid that grows up, you know, without money in America, uh, especially that if you in a single parent home or uh, you see certain certain elements in, in, in your family, your community, whether it's incarceration or or, uh, or just different diseases and and, and and violence, you have a desire to to to, to create something greater. Uh, so I got exposed to investment banking in a roundabout way, just family that had different like roles within finance. But I would say, to be honest with you, when I went to Harvard, I just got exposed to just a level of wealth creation and, and what finance could really, really do and entrepreneurship could really, really do. Mm-hmm. And started just the long way, just internships, Merrill Lynch, now it's called BlackRock. And asset management to Credit Suisse and then Morgan Stanley. And then by the time I graduated, I had, you know, a lot of different amazing opportunities. Uh, but I, but I ended up doing the banking. Not that I wanted to spend my whole life doing it wrong, but more so just um, just to create, create some wealth, gain a skill set. Uh, but if I can be really honest with you, always had the music in my heart and the community in my heart. And even when I was growing up, I was always like a like a little rap star, you know, just in like my little area in, in Jersey and and there's a big battle rapping culture out here. So uh, hip hop and, and, and rapping and battling, which now is like being a debater, being uh, eloquently speaking at, at, at venues around the world. I, I really hone that just in these streets. 
um, learning how to utilize my voice and making words rhyme in order to carve out my niche and create an identity for myself. Um, so all those years rapping, creating identity for myself from high school to college, when I was working in Wall Street, I remember summer 09, definitely had the most money I ever had. When I'm looking in the mirror, I'm like, dude, this ain't true. What's up? Like, you got to figure out how to, you got to figure out how to look in the mirror and love yourself. So I went on this long journey for about a decade, uh, figuring out how to marry the the community that I care about, the family that I care about, and the art and the culture that produced me in many ways, which was, again, uh, humble beginnings, but also a, a servant ethos with that access to capital and access to wealth, which in, in finance and from an institutional perspective, is not necessarily about serving or making the world a better place. And so over the last couple of years, when I created Impact, the whole mission has been to democratize access to wellness and the wealth creation and really put together the worlds of serving and having an impact with being able to afford and, and live and experience life, America, the world, fully mm-hmm. uh, not from a standpoint of desperation and hopelessness right, right. And that possible regardless of how they born where they born their skin color etc have access to to really experience what's possible yeah so i i think you made a really excellent point in that um you know you you, you kind of gravitated towards finance and finance and capital and money for lack of a better word is the rocket fuel to progress, right? And so we can't have sustainable solutions to the challenges of our communities if they're not financially sustainable. And so that's why I think that um, that's a good path that you went on because you you have the you have access to sustainable solutions through 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 that. I want to welcome everybody who's joining us. I want to remind everybody that you could we'll see your comments and your questions. So uh, ask questions uh, along the way, uh, and we'll do our best to to address them. Um, God bless everybody. Thank y'all for joining in on this Juneteenth and um, happy Father's Day to all the fathers as well. That's right. That's and right. Happy Father's Day to you, Ron. And happy Father's Day to you. First time. So you got any big plans? Uh, we're going to have a little a little cookout, you know, uh, at my mom. She's she's organizing something, just a couple dads uh, in the family getting together. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, man, it's just, it's, just, it's just a blessing to just, to be honest with you, Ron, like I can remember going out in North to like soul food restaurants on Mother's Day, and you would see that Mother's Day is packed. You yeah. can't get anywhere if you like if you ain't coming early. And then Father's Day is like crickets <laughs> historically um, in our community. So, you know, I'm excited to just fortunately and, and, and God willing and work to be on the other side of that. Yeah, well, it changes everything, doesn't it? Yeah, man. Just besides sleep, I mean. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? You know what? Having a purpose, and and I like I was telling you today, right? Uh, so so for those of you who don't know, today, um, a, a a dear a dear friend of mine, she uh she runs an organization, the Gym Project, um, and 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 our nonprofit is the the Jersey Grown Foundation, um, uh, which really working with youth, and this is all global life student orientation, just the next iteration of it. But um, she had invited me 
to the youth march today, which happened up the streets, uh, up the street over here in Montclair, which is right here. And it was so incredible to see, I mean, thousands of, of, of high school kids, age kids, everybody wearing a mask, socially, you know, complying. Yeah. But uh, kids of kids of all different, uh, all different colors is unified, man. I think I'm really hopeful and optimistic that we're living in a in a paradigm shift, and these youth out here just inspire me to just take it to a whole nother level. And, right. and even see them, I was like, I could see my daughter when I saw them young women giving mm-hmm. speeches and getting, you know, getting energetic. I saw my daughter. I saw the future. It was beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, Hey, hey, Daria Musk. Daria Musk has popped in. She's watching. Uh, she's an incredible singer-songwriter. You, you, I should put you guys in touch with each other. So um, you got a lot of shared talent there. But, you know, you, you, you're in the march, which is just another example of the crises that, that we're dealing with right now. And, you know, I, I think we all understand at some level or, or another how interconnected and interdependent everything is. Amen. So, so all the the uh, racial tension that we see right now is affected by COVID and vice versa, and the uh, you know economic pitfalls that we're seeing, and um, you know every every other thing that's coming down the pipe all interacts and uh, with it. And um, so, like even in the march, you know you <laughs> you're marching, but you're being socially distanced because of you know the other crisis that's embedded. Uh, in the crisis, and, and so, sanitizer everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> sanitizer every thirty every thirty seconds feels like. Yeah. So what, what 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 kind of outcomes are you hopeful for uh, for this for the, during this latest crisis that that we're in right now in this latest uh, situation that has led to unrest? I think uh, I think I mean the, the the low common denominator, right? Like the like the low hanging fruit. Uh, that is the discourse is really like no one wants to feel like they're gonna get killed by people they pay taxes to to uh to 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 work with you know you know like that's the that's the basic thing right like no one wants to feel like I mean I don't want to get pulled over and like, I refuse to to even have to consider the fact that my presence is gonna compel somebody to shoot me but. Having been in those situations across this country, outcome number one, there has to be some type of justice and reform into where police can't kill people and just nothing happens. I think the days in which, you know, hopefully, hopefully we, we, we pray the outcome is justice in the sense that like we just can't keep getting shot by police like i can't keep having these experiences which carry so much weight and mental and mental trauma mm-hmm. uh that is so normalized in our culture but unpenalized within the system um so let me just give you just a brief example before i get on a you know my other aspect and here in New Jersey, the youth incarceration rates and mass incarceration is six times the national average and twice as bad as the next closest state, right? 
So when people talk about mass incarceration, this state is literally by far the worst for incarcerating youth. And from an outcome perspective, we know that, I mean, we know that like the only people that do bad things aren't black boys. Like that's not possible that black boys are the only wrong people in the world or wrong people in the state of New Jersey. However, given that we're over incarcerated, over criminalized, over medicated and over indexing for everything tragic, we need to have a human first response before the default criminalization of the black man in, in, in person in this society. So that's just concept number one. And I'd love to hear what you think about that as well. Yeah, I, th I think one of the one of the most powerful things you said is you you related the fact that everything is feels so normal that that we we take this all as the accepted status quo that uh, is unchangeable, um, and what that leads people to believe because it because it on the surface appears normal, I'll, I'll put normal in quotation marks is right. that there's not a problem, and. So, I mean, just to quote Archbishop Desmond Tutu, he said, we cannot succeed by denying what exists. The acceptance of reality is the only place from which change can begin. And so I think what we're seeing, I think what we're seeing right now is an awakening realization that we actually do have a problem. I mean, many, many people, I don't know what the percentage is, I'd, I'd be you know, taking a guess, but whatever the percentage of people that realized that we had a problem before, that it, that I think that percentage has greatly increased over the last few weeks, uh, and P it's starting to really dawn on people that oh wait a minute we there is a huge problem here we have a, a systemic problem of bias and a systemic problem of injustice uh, in this country, uh, and it's something that we need to deal with, and we can't deal we can't deal with it without taking the first step, which is <laughs> acknowledging that there is an issue, and so I think I think we're at least doing that now. So. Definitely, definitely. And uh, I will say true to even how we met economic justice is really how I'm how I'm expending a lot of my energy. So, yeah, for instance, just a, a bit more statistics. Uh, the statewide contracting spend in this state for women, minority and veteran businesses. Uh, last I checked was under three percent. And from a pension standpoint, if you can imagine all these state workers, you know, that, you know, do the everyday work of making New Jersey great, uh, their pension system um, about a year ago, last time I measured it was around 80 billion in that division of investments fund. Now, the numbers that's effectively managed by black managers that gets deployed into black companies is zero. Uh, and I'm looking at institutional finance, meaning our public institutions, our pension funds, our private institutions, and these are the big, you know, in this city, like the Prudentials, the Goldman's, the Amazon Audible's, uh, and the philanthropic organizations like, that manage cumulatively across the globe uh, approximately $70 trillion in assets that deploy effectively 0%, less than a percent uh, to, to black businesses and business businesses. From an outcome standpoint, we know that interdependence collaboration is vital in that diversifying 
how capital flows to entrepreneurs into communities and wealth creation flows into all of the aspects of society creates a better society. Uh, so from an outcome standpoint, I'm literally wearing my heart on the sleeve. Like I, I put this shirt on because I went to Australia about a year ago. Uh, I can't I can't see it. Can you, can you, your, your name? Oh, cool. Indigenous. It's the Australian indigenous mentoring, uh, mentoring experience. And shout out to AIM. Uh, they took us out to Wollongong and to Sydney. And it was an amazing experience because, you know, Australia is obviously the other side of the world from New Jersey. But when we got there, we encountered just hundreds of uh, of indigenous youth that felt like no one in the world understood their struggle. Now, mind you, this is mostly African-American. So we're like, oh, we feel you. Trust me. We know what it's like to be ignored. We know what it's like to be marginalized. We know what it's like to be forgotten and, you know, in your own land. Um, so from from a from a low, low, low hanging fruit standpoint as well, just recognizing that this is a global crisis. And although, you know, in America, we we kind of are looked as as leaders and maybe we have that cultural factor which amplifies these factors. However, you know, London, Paris, even in Germany, you know, Germany really inspired me as well. I'm seeing it at, 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 in, in Berlin. And, and if we if we just address, you know, history and the facts like Germany isn't necessarily known for being at the forefront of uh, in the last hundred years of, of human rights. Yeah. However, their their march for, for, for black justice was just like. Incredible and inspiring, so. You know, uh, we, what we do here in, in, in the shadow of Wall Street in New Jersey, New York City, in terms of democratizing access to capital contracts, diverse wealth creation, I think it's going to reverberate through the capital markets. Yeah, I mean, it has to all around the world, the same way that you know, every other trend that influences the world largely comes out of uh, American culture and, and specifically black culture. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, another really, really good point is that this is this is not just an American crisis. It's a it's a global crisis, and I don't like to use the word global because because oh. we don't live on, we don't live on a globe, right? Yeah. <laughs> forgive me, I'm, I'm doing. I'm, me, I'm sorry, bro. Spherical orbital with planetary. It's a planetary crisis planetary. because when you, when you when you use the word planetary, it brings the biosphere of our planet into the conversation too, which is which is part of it. We don't live on a oh, globe. Yeah. Go there, go there, go there. How about you? I got to get Pentecostal on you. Go, go ahead yeah. and get that, bro. But I, you know, the, we're seeing demonstrations in these all these other countries around the world, uh, not just because they have sympathy for what's going on in the U.S., but they have their own issues with it as well. And it's really interesting that you brought up Germany because I had a conversation last night with a good friend uh, who is in Germany right now, lives in Germany, a German friend, and he was saying, and I agree with this one hundred percent that Germans, when they think back, you know, 50, 70 years, um, are judged on what they did during during World War II and the, and the period of time leading up for World War II. And those folks that were living at that time that did nothing are part, were part of the problem. They're as guilty as everybody else. And we're living through a similar time right now where we're faced with issues that if you're not doing anything, you're part of the problem. And so if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Uh, and I think that was that was a really 
powerful conversation that we had. But the other really good point that you brought up is is the economic aspect of this, how there's a huge disparity in access to uh, to, to capital for, for businesses, for, you know, uh, you know, you went to Harvard, uh, but you're the, you're the exception, not the rule, right? I mean, so there's there's probably many many uh, people that uh, grow up in underprivileged areas that don't have the resources and don't have the um, uh, the the opportunities that people have in in, more, in a more affluent area uh, to go down a path that would lead you to the type of career that you get from graduating from Harvard, and so you know that that's an issue, you know. I've, I've done a lot of work around the world, uh, a lot of humanitarian work, and I've worked with the poor an awful lot. And I know that in some folks, there's there's two really negative mindsets. One negative mindset is we've always had the poor and therefore we will always have the poor. Poor that's just, uh, Having a segment of your population that is in poverty is just how humans live and it's an accepted thing. So that that's not true. So it is it is possible to lift every living person on the planet out of destitute poverty. Uh, that's true. Um, the other the other fallacy is that a lot of people think that people are poor because they're lazy, <laughs> and that is not the case. At all. what I experienced was hardworking, um, conscientious, honest folks that were trying their best to eke out a, an existence and circumstances beyond their control prevented them from, you know, rising up the ladder, if you will. And so what is becoming very obvious, not just because of the latest racial tension, not just because of COVID-19, but it's been very obvious for a number of years is that our system is broken and we're not going to be, we're not going to be able to fix the problems within the broken system. We, We need to rebuild our system and we need to build a system that works for all the status quo is not working for everyone. It works for some people, a very, very few people, uh, but it doesn't work for everyone. And until we have a system that works for everyone, we will not going to be able to progress and prosper and and evolve. Uh, and all we will ever do is slap band-aids on our problems and put temporary solutions in place. And so in order to have long-lasting change and progress and build a future that we all want to be a part of, we're going to have to deal with this these systemic problems and we're going to have to build a new system. Nah, that's that's it. I mean, what you talked about going back to your friend and um in Germany and just the silence. I think like, I have to say that there was there was definitely a lot of a lot of white children out there today, and and even converse with uh this one father who happened to be a a white man. And his slogan was um it was like dads for radical change, and he was talking about his his his, his daughters. Uh, so I want to say that. I mean, at this point, just the allyship is just everything, right? Because at the end of the day, if people know these issues, right? People know that disparities and inequity exist. At the same time, if it's only Black people speaking, it, we need that, and that's great. Uh, however, I spent some time um, in, in Austin last year, and I, I spent a whole day at the LBJ presidential library. And I could just see the impact of when LBJ was talking to uh to uh to Hoover, who ran the FBI, about the kids um and the white kids getting killed in Mississippi. And just, it, it, was, it was just different. Uh, and so I say, even with this, right, it's one thing to say 
to discuss racial injustice and have black people just saying, okay, this isn't fair. But now the beautiful thing is that we are seeing to some degree, and let's pray and work that it lasts, a critical mass of other cultures like this is, you know, this is BS. Like we gotta, we gotta do something. And I definitely think, um, I definitely think we gotta drive it. And I'm just, I'm just being a, being a hundred percent. Like at the end of the day, we gotta solve this as a, as a community. Right. And all of our voices are, are necessary. However, uh, I think reverse mentoring is very, very important. And leaders and institutions need to look at how diverse and how how much this youth energy is multicultural and specifically saying like black lives are really important no anti-black racism yeah and i i just hope that some of the most powerful people in our society can can just look at what their grandkids are talking about right now that's right that's right we we got it we have to listen right and so so we're you and i are both eager to listen right and and but but we also you know we're talking about silence and speaking about silence we haven't gotten a single question from anybody yet so we we should listen to some questions oh yeah <laughs> so, yeah so i i know i know a lot, i got a lot of friends out there chiming in i know i i i know who you are so ask us ask some ask some questions join this conversation um, Jane, Jane said, uh, yes, we need everybody to stand up for racial injustice. Right. And, and, you know, this is not a, a, a white problem or a black problem. This is, this is an American problem. And if we extend it even broader, it's a, it's a planetary problem. Right. And so the only way we can solve problems like that is to solve them together. There's, there's no specific group that's going to solve this problem. We have to solve it collectively as a planetary community. That's it. That's the only way it's going to be solved. From a planetary perspective, right. So that's right. I'm interested in uh I'm interested in like the spiritual implications of off balance and just from your perspective and, and you've seen this the, the planet in a different way, just aligning our vibrational shift in a more upward trajectory, solving for humanity on a higher vibration, yeah. right? Like yeah. is it just what we do as leaders and influencers and those that are that are driving the ship impact the, the rest of the world? Like, or do you do you see just like the critical mass and billions of people ready for this paradigm collectively? Yeah, I, I mean if, if to talk spiritually, I guess. I I, I mean we we can't solve the problems that we face by treating the symptoms, right? We have to we have to we have to go after the underlying root cause of the problem, and the underlying root cause of all of our problems, every single one of our problems, is the human ego. And we have evolved uh, as a species to uh, develop an ego, an ego that only survives within us by convincing ourselves that we are completely separate and and uh, separate from other people. Uh, we're separate as individuals, we're separate as groups, we're separate. That's how the ego survives. And the, the ego could be a collective ego too. It could be a group ego, which is a, an extension of group think, which, is, which can be even worse. And so what we need to understand is, yes, there is, there is something distinctly individual about you and I. 
Uh, and that's what's most obvious. So that's what our ego lives off of. But under, underneath that, that seeming separation is an underlying unity that that is masked within our awareness through our own ego and our collective ego and our national ego and everything else. And so in, until we realize that and until we find the tools to break down the false sense of separation that feeds, like I said, feeds all the problems <laughs> that we face, you know, that one thing, being able to transcend our egos, to be able to realize that not only am I a distinct individual, uh, I am also uh, a part of a, of, a, of a collective intelligence. Not only am I a life, I am life itself. I am part of life itself. Pardon me for interrupting, brother. Did you find God when you went to outer space? Like, <laughs> like uh, I, I, I think I. So, so I, whatever faiths and beliefs I had when I launched the space, I think they were, I think they were um, confirmed and and maybe uh, grew uh, during my time in space. But what there were seeds planted there, seeds of truth that took many, many years to blossom. And I don't, I don't mean to plug anything, but I, I have a book that's coming out called Floating in Darkness, which the, I mean, the whole theme of the book is breaking down, breaking down our barriers uh, and our false sense of separation. So um, John Fabian says the sins of our ancestors are still causing pain. Uh, yes, that's, uh, that's certainly true. So, you know, I, I think, seeds of truth were, were planted that and, and that exposed that were in a sense light you know light was shined and some of the, some of the darkness that it exposed was the the lies that we tell ourselves uh, about how you know we are this person we are this race we are this profession we are this nationality we are this religion we are all these things and that defines our identity well, that's not our identity. Those are those are those are important things, or they can be important things. Right. It's not our identity. Uh, our our identity is is a human, uh, and you know, you know, the other thing that's really clear from space is that we are really one human family, and that, it, it, you know, and people that's a that's a cliche. It's a buzzword, right? But what does that really mean? If if in its most basic terms, it literally means if you go back far enough, we all came from the same mother and father. We are literally all related. But it, but it, on a level that's beyond the physicality of DNA, there, there's a deeper, deeper unity that is normally beyond our awareness and is what leads to a lot of the violence and a lot of the discrimination and injustice that we see in the world. Let me, let me ask you something, bro. You hit on something that's so, that, 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 that's so real. You said uh you said you don't believe that there will always be the poor amongst us, right? Now, when you spoke, I heard the scripture, right, which is in the Bible in the New Testament, where it's saying that Jesus said, you know, you'll always have the poor, but you, you know, you won't have me, and, and this is just a moment. And then I found myself quoting that last week when I when I was thinking that and, and just accepting, like, yeah, there'll always be there'll always be people with more people with less. My hope and my work is that it's not necessarily skewed towards race as much as it is in America. But did you mean, and are you implying essentially creating a kingdom of heaven in an earthly realm or I'm sorry, in a planetary realm? <laughs> the earthly is okay. You could say earthly. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> um, wow. There's, there's a lot of questions in there. The first one, let's talk about scripture and religion real, real quick. And uh, I believe that, 
religion can be a vehicle that points to the truth. I don't think that religion is the truth. And I think a lot of times where we get into problems is when leaders and followers of a certain doctrine mistake the vehicle towards truth for truth itself. And the doctrine becomes more important than the truth. And what that leads people to do is take things that are in sacred scripture and, and take them literally, like word for word, literally. Um, and if you, take, if you take the statement that Jesus made about we'll, you'll always have the poor and you take it in context of his entire ministry, you can see that he's not, he's not professing that we should always have the poor. Of course not. Um, he's, he was talking to a very skeptical group of people um, that did not understand that, you know, he was what he was going to have to suffer. Uh, and so I, I think it, the danger is to draw too many um, out of context conclusions out of that. And the, the other part of, your, uh, of, the, of your question was about, you know, the heaven on earth. It depends on what your definition of heaven is. And, and I think that we could, we, it is within our power to live in a world where everybody's needs are met where everybody chooses for themselves how they want to contribute to society that, you know, everybody has enough food to eat. All the basic needs are met. Um, you know, everyone has access to education. Everyone has access to knowledge. Um, and there is not this winding gap between the haves and the have nots because, um, you know, we're, we're finding that information is the most valuable, powerful source on the planet right now. And information is not, even shared uh, equally or not even close to being equally. And so um, there's a big uh, disparity and injustice in how information is shared across this planet. That's why uh, efforts like open, open source and, and, and having more transparent business practices and all that kind of, kind of thing is, is, is having a tremendous impact. Wow. Not a, the, uh, <laughs> what you said about, not taking the scripture literally in a certain, you know, in a certain sense. I think I'm, um, I think as our world is under reconstruction, uh, our country's under reconstruction mentally, uh, I am, I am in a process of deliberately and intentionally attempting to destroy the limiting ways in which I've experienced life in order to manifest abundance. And this has been like a multi-year journey, really a lifelong journey, but in terms of it consciously deliberately, I would say over the last five years. Uh, and uh, what you said about access to information, I was just gonna add that even if some people have the access to the information, it's the ability to believe, A, and then believing in yourself is just a whole nother is a whole nother realm. So I, I mean, I love you to speak to to just like believing in yourself, right? Like just like the mental state that you had to have to go from Yonkers to you know how many however many millions of miles uh, in orbit. Just like what was in your what was in your head? You just knew you could do it. Like you knew yeah, so, one in a million, one in a billion. You know, we we talked about the the lies of the ego, right? And the the the, legal, the ego believes many lies. Actually, the lies are what keep the ego alive. Uh, and an ego doesn't mean necessarily that you think you're better than anybody else. An ego is basically what you identify yourself with, right? And 
And if you identify yourself as somebody who can't accomplish anything, you're not going to accomplish anything. And if you believe that lie, and, you know, I remember when I was a little kid, I, you know, I wanted to be an astronaut since July 20th, 1969, you know, the first, the day of the first moon landing. And as a, as a child growing up, people would ask me what I want to, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I tell the truth, I want to be an astronaut. Which more, huh? <laughs> they tell you to do something realistic. Well, they, you know, they would say, they would, they would pat me on the head and they'd say, oh, that's nice. But um, what do you want to do if you can't do that? What do you really want to do? Right. I mean, right. so, so. If you if I believe those those comments, then I would say that's impossible. Um, so I, I think one of the one of the paths to, to being able to have a future that you'd want to be a part of is to navigate through the truth and the lies. And and most lies come most lies I think come from ourselves. We tell ourselves you know many many lies a day, uh, like like we can't accomplish stuff. So we got a question from uh, Jane Miglior. What can I do in my daily life that will help break down racial injustice in our country? Um, any, any, any thoughts on that, Prez? Uh, several things. I mean, I can tell you what I do. Uh, I, I, again, you know, I, I have to start my day in, you know, in, in seeking those truths and seeking the highest power. I'm seeking God just to ensure that um, I'm operating in my highest mind. Um, so, A, you know, whatever your practices and, and your faith, you know, for me, like I said, man, I, I, I read the word every day just to get anchored in something that's bigger than me. And obviously, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm a, I'm a sinless being, right? Like, that's not possible. And, and, and I, I know all things is possible, but that's not what I'm on. And that hasn't been my journey. But getting anchored in the truth. You know, I follow Jesus in a light in a way, and I seek to also just um, listen to people and acknowledge, like you said about the ego, like I don't know everything. And, and what I may know on Thursday could be totally unended on Thursday. And I'm going to give you a couple of tangible examples of organizations in a second, but I have to say this, right? Um, you were playing that record American legend and the last line you played was reelected like I'm Reagan and, 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 uh, and, and, um, Jane, honorable Mr. Rosebush who, uh, who recommended and brought me to that conference being a, a, a former Reagan, um, assistant and advisor. Like, again, I, I never thought that I would be friends with somebody from that administration. I never thought that that ideology, I never, I never could see that like getting close to somebody. You follow me? Yeah. From that sort of quote unquote school of thought. But I've I've had to upend what I thought was a, a, a presidential legacy, a human being's capabilities, and even American history, because I just had to admit, like, yo, you don't know everything. You feel me? There's something way greater than you. Whatever you think you know, you know, be grateful for that. And, and, and I'm sure you feel me like I'm grateful for my specialized knowledge that gets me to, to be able to offer tangible solutions. But accepting that God's plan is infinitely bigger uh, and, 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 and like sowing into that, to that humility, surrounding myself by people that's smarter than me, like actively pursuing relationships with people that are world class uh, world is not the word i'm sorry planetary class you can say world just don't say global <laughs> well, so I'm trying to get right, 
I want to get right. But actually, Jane, to answer you, actively seeking people that that look different, you know, and, and that are best in class, and being able to accept that we all maybe believe the wrong thing, and you know, uh, even to quote Reagan, uh, the best part of American history is is yet to come. Right? We are the, the ancestors of, you know. Our great 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 grandkids generation, they're gonna say what we did today. This conversation. And to answer you, my organization is called Impact. So I break what I do down from an entertainment standpoint. I make music, I make art, I do my daily reflections on whether it's film, whether it's social media, on creating content that breaks down these lies, right? So I'm grateful to be on this podcast because you know we we live in such a, a polarized world that even you, me coming together. This is a start broadcasting this message, this communication, mm-hmm. this planetary perspective uh, is a start. And I know you were like, oh, kind of ashamed to plug your book, but I'm going to plug your book. Your book is a blessing. <laughs> bro. That was confirmation that like, I'm not crazy for having an orbital perspective. Like this is how we're supposed to think. We're not supposed to see limits in this binary, yeah. this foolishness that we all got tricked into thinking. Yeah. We're supposed to see the bigger picture. But but Jane, Impact is, is 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 our our mission is to impact the the not the world the planet and you can plug in you can reach out to me Ron has all our our social media at Prize Quadrillions and we have a litany of different organizations for profit nonprofit that we support that are all about racial social equity and justice in whatever community you 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 are. Um, I, I'd be I'd love to help you find people doing the work if you want to get 10 toes down in the community, uh, because that's the power of, of you know what we've been doing. I, I ain't gonna lie to you, Ron. It was points in the last 10 years where I had like this spiritual uh validation and confirmation from the most high, but like five years ago, especially when I was in Charlotte and I said, okay, we're going to do the Global Black Student Organization and I'm volunteering this NACP and I'm doing this for free and it's so much conflict that involves when you're really a leader and you're active. I was like, man, what am I doing? Like my friends that I went to school, they all just, most of them just, you know, got nice jobs, made nice money, chilling on a bunch of stuff. And like I'm doing all of this for free community work, but now I just see and conversations like like this and, and what you're doing and in flowing through darkness, so to speak, you know, to where the only validation I had a lot of the time was from the most high. I guess it's all been worth it. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. I want to be in contact with everybody that's in the chat room. Yeah. Um, you know, these people, I don't yet, but everybody that that's going to be involved with this at press quadrillions. Yeah. Reach out to me. Just yeah, well, Jane, Jane, I actually went to high school with, and we've got uh, another another high school friend, Cornelius Goodwin. He, he's he's got a couple suggestions. One is to research, another one another one is to vote. Hey. Uh, so and uh, another good friend, uh, Leland Melvin, who knows as well as I do how ridiculous we all look like from space, since he's been there several times. Good good friend of mine. Awesome. Uh, you. Salute you, Mr. Melvin. God bless you. Not be complicit when racist acts. I think that's the biggest thing, girl. Because like people, like hey, it takes it takes a lot of courage to actually do that. Yeah, sometimes. But well, I don't know. You know, I think 
I think at sometimes it, it might, but it shouldn't, right? I mean, it shouldn't. It should. You shouldn't have to take courage to to stand up for what's right, but I. But sometimes it does. I, I agree. Yeah, I mean, obviously you shouldn't, but again, you know, Ron, you you're, you're a brilliant person. I'm sure everybody on his is is highly intelligent, and you know, at at the bare minimum, seeking seeking intelligence. Uh, when I think about inequity, right, and injustice, especially in Newark. I can just you can just look at the skyscrapers. Okay, who owns this skyscraper? Okay, where did they get this money? They got this money from the public sector and the private sector. Okay, no, there there's somebody looking like me, regardless of resume degrees, whatever, come and try to implement that same work. It just doesn't work like that. Yeah. So I would say it does take courage, and I just had to accept, you know, for my own mental health and sanity that you know everybody isn't isn't going to be for change. Like it's not convenient. It's not comfortable. It's not materially rewarding at first. It's like the opposite. You're constructing a whole new society. And so, you know, I appreciate everybody. I see somebody summed in and said vote. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, Jane brings up a really good point about the different, pers different perspectives, right? Cause you know, a lot of times I just, I just scratch my head because I see like you tune into the news, right? And and you'll see two people on opposite sides of an issue yelling and screaming at each other, not realizing that they're actually in agreement, that they're saying they're saying the same thing from a different perspective a lot of times. So I think a, a great percentage of the stuff that we argue about is simply the, the lack of a, of a perspective. And that's why we look so ridiculous from space is because when you zoom out <laughs> to the, to the, to the perspective that you get from space, you know, all of our differences blur into insignificance. They, they, they become ridiculous. It, we, we, it becomes undeniably obvious that we're all in this together. And COVID-19 should have been the wake up call and the call to action to, because literally every single person on the planet is affected in one way or another by COVID-19. There is no, you know, we're all in this together is not a cliche. It's obviously the truth of the, and the reality of the world that we live in. So well, well, um, let, me, let me chime in if we still got time about the COVID. Yeah. And I think, I think why it's important that we, that we radically, you know, radically reassess and reallocate uh, uh, our wealth. I mean, there's no way around the American model of capitalism and the, and the, it's just a fact, man. This society just worships money. Like money is God to the overarching ethos of how our society, especially in New York City, you know, I could I could see the World Trade Center in in, in Wall Street from where I'm sitting right now, right? Like it's just that's just what it is. And when I had that human love first perspective, I was living out of alignment without accepting that money is God not necessarily deliberately intentionally to a lot of these people, but just in terms of priorities. Like I seen somebody yeah. in your comment said that, um, uh, Leland said you could lose your job if your boss is complicit. Right. So just re realizing that people like to get paid every two weeks, right? Like nobody wants to be homeless and miss meals. And so if your boss wants to get paid every two weeks and what you're going to do or say is going to threaten that, Unless there is a shared safe space and really a force compelling of systemic change, 
we disincentivize we disincentivize people from actually making you know making a difference right and actually just feeling uh do, doing 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 a necessary work of making themselves short-term inconvenient so to speak from a material perspective versus really living in harmony and creating harmony in something that's that's bigger than just what our eyes can see or experience yeah yeah and you know i'm gonna pop this up here too because leland um talks about the need to have more people breaking bread together to, to fully understand each other and and uh like i said leland's a very close friend of mine and i've heard him tell the story many many times about his experience on the space station breaking bread with the russians and uh, and people from other nations and and how instantly all of the things that we were conditioned to believe about each other's cultures you know vanished and all that was left is humans enjoying a meal together and um i think leland means this metaphorically that we need to break bread together in other words we need to do those things that define what it means to be human together uh, a little bit more and um and and that's when that's when you start aligning perspectives, right? That's that's a tool that we use to to line per perspectives. So that's real, bro. I, and and I appreciate I appreciate y'all. Trust me. Actually, uh, um, funny enough, um, I read about I read about Leland from my cousin Muchiga Cooper when I was out in Pasadena with her through the years. Um, and shout out to her. I know she's uh, she's in Florida now, but she definitely encouraged me to learn more about everything that you guys have been uh doing through the years and. Uh, I just want to say for everybody that took the time to just listen to us, you know, it's a blessing. It's an honor. And um, I am proof that everything that I thought I knew could be flipped uh, on its behind. And I really would just encourage everybody to, to seek that highest. And, and if you listen to anything I say, man, just God loves y'all. And the best is yet to come. So that's right. Just, just allowing, allowing us in your hearts and your times and your minds. That's right. Well, Price, thank, thank you so much for, for taking the time to be here. We, we're going to have to do this again. I don't think we were, you know, a quarter of the way through our conversation here, but we've, we're, we're running out of time, but th thank you for taking the time to be here and, and having this really conversation. Thank you for your honesty right. and digging deep. Uh, and also, thank you for everything that you're doing to help make life on our planet as beautiful as our planet looks from space. Um, you are really making a difference, and uh, and and we thank you for that. And uh, uh, I hope uh, I hope you have a, a wonderful first Father's Day with uh, Graceland Trinity Michelle mm -hmm. and the rest of your family. And uh, and uh, we'll hope to see you see you soon. Likewise, definitely, man. Thanks so much, and. Uh... God bless you. God bless everything you're doing with a blessing, with an honor. America is better for you. The planet is better for you. And um, last last thing I'm going to say, thank everybody with the comments. I see all y'all. Jay Thomas, Daniel, uh, Leland, uh, Thomas, and John Fabian. I think you said treat others as if they're your office partner. I love that as well, right? If people, again, in this society where, where humans can tend to worship, what puts money in that bank account, if we respected each other like, yeah. Your uncle, what would the world look like? All right. Yeah. And th thanks to everybody who tuned in, and thanks for all the great, great questions. And and we'll see you next week, same same uh, time, same channel. <laughs> see you, everybody. Peace.
Thank you for joining us during this conversation from the orbital perspective. And thank you for being a part of an emerging unity on our planet. We are strongest when we are aligned around the truth of our underlying unity. Together, we are unstoppable and can build a positive, restorative future, a future that we would all want to be a part of. Please subscribe to the Orbital Perspective podcast and follow us on social media. Thank you for all that you're doing and all that you will do to help make life on our planet as beautiful as it looks from space. 